Hello again, and welcome to the Goldly Bold Podcast. <laughs> the Boldly Gospel, no, no, Gospel Boldly Podcast. That's it's it. going to take some getting used to, it really will. At any rate, this is the place where we confess with uh, St. John that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I'm not even going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that as part of the show. All right. For, for those of you in English class, what Thomas just did is, I believe, called a spoonerism, <laughs> where, you, where you mix up the syllables of, of two different words. I was in a, in, when I was in uh, biology in high school, I had to give a report, and I was talking about lab rats in the, in the report. And throughout the entire thing, I was talking about the rablots. <laughs> in fact, that's still how I want to say it now in my head. I, I had to think and say lab rats yes. otherwise i would just default to rablats and and no one would know what in the world i was talking about so <laughs> it happens we do actually know some things that we are talking about and we do know a goodly bit about the scripture we're gonna be in the gospel of john chapter one we're starting up again at verse 19 That's right true. yes yeah so so anything that we should go over before we dive in other than the fact that we do actually know the name of our show we do have our facebook page up so uh right feel free to go visit there and all that good stuff so anything Fantastic. else uh also in in case somehow you got to this podcast without liking the higher things page on facebook go like the higher things page on facebook also oh yeah 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 you gotta like higher things get get so. updates from us that way also yep, um yep, yep. i don't know so before we jump in we should probably say a quick note about the introduction which we completed during last week's episode to this mm-hmm. point we have learned that jesus is God and with God. We've learned that he's the son of God. What else have we learned? Uh, that not only that he is God and the son of God, but that salvation is accomplished by God coming down to us. The word became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled, came down to us. Why? <laughs> We're sinful. We're not going to be able to elevate ourselves up to God, but rather God will come and gospel us, come and bring us good news. And that's what's going on. And really, the first 18 verses are kind of setting up the theme. And now with, with moving into verse 19, we'll start getting into some action. Fantastic action. I love it. One of the things to note, <clears throat> um, we've got the four Gospels. All right, Thomas, you say you don't like me to put you on the spot and ask questions. <laughs> what are the four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, that, was, that, was good. Good. that was easy. Now, all right, here's the bonus question that's hard. Okay. What do they generally call Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Together they call them the what? The synoptic gospels. All right. The synoptics. The, it means the same viewpoint. or Because basically Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a lot of them will end up telling the same stories. They'll, right. they'll come at things from the same angle. John does things differently. John, John just takes a radically different approach. And what you get in John is you get a lot of dialogue. You get a lot of conversation. I like it. You hear people go back and forth. So that's just something to bear in mind. We're going to be getting quite a bit of discussion coming up here in John. Sounds good. In the text and and between the two of us, for that matter. All right. So verse 19 of chapter 1. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. I am not the Christ. All right, there's a lot going on here. So now we get John the Baptist, and he's out there doing stuff. And John assumes, the gospel writer John, 
the gospel writer John assumes that you ha have some idea of who John the Baptist is. He's talked a little bit about him, but he figures you've heard Matthew and Mark and all that type of stuff. And he notes, here is the testimony of John. In Greek, the word is martyria. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, Thomas, do you remember from when I taught you Greek what martyria is? It means witness. Right, witness. It's where we get the word martyrdom from, or martyr. And so right away you have this. This is the, the not just testimony. You know, I mean, literally, that is what it is. But, but it's the full-bore witness, John. This is what John is doing and about. And he's out doing his thing. And while he's doing his things, basically the, the higher-ups in Jerusalem decide they're going to send someone out to, to check him out, see what he's doing, and ask him, what in the world are you doing? If you're doing something somewhere, Thomas, and someone with a position of authority walks up to you and says, says who are you? Is that designed to make you comfortable or to make you uncomfortable? <laughs> that's that's an intimidation question right there. That's a it also implicitly carries you. What are you doing here within yeah. too? It, 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 it's really who, uh, who do you think you are? Yeah, you are you're rocking the boat, guy. Who, who in tarnation told you to go on out here? And right away, John cuts him off. We get a great word, homologesen. He confesses. He 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 makes the good confession you have right here in the the two that two little chunk verse chunk. You have bearing witness and confession. These are the two great scriptural words of speaking the faith. And our always says, "Nope, I'm not the Christ." <laughs> and John, the gospelist, John emphasizes it. He, yeah, he he was blunt. He's not the Christ. Mm -hmm. So just sort of. Cut some off of the. No, no, I'm not trying to claim I'm the Messiah. Don't go off on some crazy. No, no, I'm not the Messiah. And that's it. That's all he says. Nope, I'm not. I'm not the Christ. Did that really answer the question of who are you? Maybe not directly. No, maybe it answered the question that they were really asking, but not the question that was asked as such. Right, right. I, I mean, they came out thinking they were going to have to smack down some uh, pretender to be the Messiah, because as, as we'll get later on. The, the chief priests in, in Jerusalem don't like anyone who claims to be the Christ, even if he actually does happen to be the Christ. Yeah. So, but right, so, so John just kind of brushes them off, and then the, the, the back and forth continues. All right. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Do, do you see just how kind of difficult John has been here? Yes. Nope. Nope. Not me. Not, not me. It's not who I am. Why? Well, John's not out there to answer your, your, your questions. He's not there to do a, a little dog and pony show for you or jump through hoops. He's to preach repentance. He's to point to the coming of the Messiah. So if you're not really interested in the coming of Messiah, the Messiah, and if you're not really interested in repentance, John doesn't really want to spare a lot of time for you. And finally they say, listen, we need to have something to go tell our higher-ups. Give us something. Which is, do you get how there's some exasperation there? Absolutely. 
part of me thinks this would have been really funny to to like watch just because it would have been the the self-important people getting flustered by john and what does john look like well he's disheveled dressed in camel hair probably hasn't had a bath in weeks other than just standing in the jordan river baptizing people and Jordan River's not very deep, guys. So, I mean, it's, he's not going... To, so, he, he's kind of like a wild and crazy prophet of old blowing off these people and, and just not dancing to their tune. When the expectation was, if the folks from the high priest came and said, uh, how about you jump? You, you jumped high and you apologized for not jumping before they got there. <laughs> John the Baptist's not doing that. No, no, no. So... And finally, says, okay, I'll give an answer. Give his, his great answer in verse 23. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. All right, who am I? I'm just a voice. <laughs> the fact that I'm John, that I'm a person, that, that's not nearly as important. What's important is the message. And here's the message. The Lord is coming. Get ready. <laughs> if you guys are getting flustered by what I'm doing, you haven't seen anything yet. But you know what? This is what Isaiah pointed to. All the things of the Old Testament, all the things that we've learned and taught and, and our whole identity as a Jewish people is being brought forward to be realized right here in the coming of the Messiah. So, so get ready. And, and, and if you're not ready for it, you're not going to enjoy it, but get ready for it. So fair. I like that. And any thoughts on that little paragraph there that that we went over? Not really. Nothing you didn't really speak to. I I agree with you. It's kind of Keystone Cops isn't a good analogy. It's uh, who's who's the people Abbott and Costello. It's kind of an Abbott and Costello scene where there's a little bit of <laughs> you know how in Abbott and Costello you always see it where the the foolish person or the one who's kind of being short. Ends up making Who's a the of the, pe- the self-important people. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I saw a little clip the other day. Anyway, All right. hopefully our readers have, or listeners rather, have uh, experienced the joys of Abbott and Costello, even though it's way before my time. A classic, classic skit is the Who's On First skit. Okay. It, it's well worth it. Find it on YouTube. There, there's many versions of it. Go for it. There you so. go. All right. All right. Next paragraph. Now, uh, they had been sent from the Pharisees. Pause. Okay, right. that was quick. Okay. We get now the mention of the Pharisees. Thomas, what is a Pharisee? Um, as you have explained it to me in the past, a Pharisee is one of the good, righteous people who uh, keeps the law to the in the in the human sense, I guess. Um, who knows theology? They are the well-to-do, buttoned-up Christian type. I mean, Christian in the sense of, I guess, classically or how should I be saying that? Like your, uh, your fundamentalist type, I guess. Just very, very traditional. So often when we read the scriptures, we, we hear the word Pharisee today and we think bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, simply because they end up being the foils. They end up causing a lot of problems. But that wouldn't have been the reaction to a Pharisee in Jesus' day or when this was written. Pharisees were good. If 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 your daughter came home and 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 was gonna marry a Pharisee, actually that's probably backwards. If you could arrange a marriage with a Pharisee for your daughter, <laughs> you'd be ecstatic. I mean, 
the the way I put it in one sermon. All right, you you know the folks who who show up to church every Sunday and are and show up to Bible study and and like stuff. They were the Pharisees. That, right. That's what the so. What happens is you're seeing all the structure of Judaism was really kind of on edge. Your priests are off. Your Levites, which are the priestly families, they're all, the the best of the Jewish people. They're all sort of on edge. And part of this is simply because at the time, Jerusalem's a conquered country and city. Right. The Romans are occupying. And what would happen is you do have a lot of uh, the Jewish people who want to rebel. They're called the Zealots. And basically, one of the good reasons or excuses to rebel is if you have a Messiah, who's going to come and restore? Because if you're the son of David, who was David? Well, he was the king, of course, the the conquering king who united the kingdom. So, yeah, I mean, so, so part of the reason why they're on edge is the fears that, okay, if someone comes to be the Messiah, he's going to literally unleash Armageddon upon us. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's going to all blow up. So, I mean, let's face it, the, the rich and powerful tend not to like war going on in their own backyard. I mean, that, that tends to be bad. Bad for the economy. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as my high school, uh, as the high school football coach who also taught, what class did I have with him? I think it was U.S. government. War is pretty good for... Uh, the economy unless you're the country that's getting the crud kicked out (laughs) fair point fair point all right well we'll come back and we'll we'll get back to more from uh from uh this conversation when we get back from the break all right sounds good absolutely excellent And we are back in the midst of the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we're uh, going through the testimony of John the Baptist in First. Ah, oh, sorry, not in First John. In the Gospel of John, uh, we're in the first chapter of John. That we are. And we we just finished verse twenty four, and I, I think we're going to pick up at twenty five. We're in the midst of a a back and forth conversation. John's been kind of blown off the folks, and then these uh, officials from Jerusalem. Retort. They say thusly, they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you were neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? All right, now, now pause there for a second. Um, there, there's two ways that this type of question could be asked. Oh, well, why? T- tell us, explain to us. Or it could be, and just why do you think you're baptizing? <laughs> so, because what happens is, they're thinking in terms of authority. And, and this is one of the things that comes on up, that that authority comes from your status, your rank in society. And, and depending upon where you rank, you get to tell the people below you what to do. Mm-hmm. All right? So, so if I'm of a higher social rank than this person over here, I get to boss them around. And, and if, if a person who's of a higher rank looks at me, they get to boss me around because, I mean, that, that's why they're doing that. And what's John doing? He's baptizing people for repentance, which basically is telling people that they're sinful. So John should have a pretty high rank, and then he won't say anything about himself. He mm-hmm. won't. Well, if you're not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet, why are you baptizing? Where where do you get off pulling rank? It seems like that also plays in when they later ask the question, 
it, I can't remember if it's in John or if it's a different gospel, actually, but John's baptism, was it from man or from God, right? From Right. Yeah, it's the same. And, well, that's what they're missing. What is John's authority? Not his status in society, but what what is it? I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. I'm speaking God's word. I've been I'm ordained by the Almighty. Word. Well, and, and, and not just so much, I've been ordained, therefore, but he's appealing to the word of God. Oh, I see. That, yes. That's his authority. It's not a matter of, of who he is and how great he is, but rather this is the word of God. Right. This is why in church, we the, the readings end, this is the word of the Lord, rather than thus saith Pastor Brown. You better <laughs> listen to Pastor Brown's the pastor. No, no. It's not about me. It's about what does the word of God say. Mm-hmm. So does that distinction make up? So I, I, I tend to understand this one as a, a just, and just why are you doing stuff? If, you, if you're just the voice, who cares? Well, the problem is they don't want to listen to the word of God. Right. And so they don't respect that as an authority. Fair point. All right. Which is going to come up here in John's answer, I think. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me. The strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Don't try and make a big deal of what I'm doing. I mean, yes, I'm speaking the word of God. I baptized with water. Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Because there's one among you who is so far above me. If you want to talk about rank and, and authority, so far above me, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. Now, Thomas, mm-hmm. um, wh- what's the implication of I'm not worthy to untie his sandal? I mean, I guess it's it's a sign of humility. I I don't really know how to answer that question. So um, imagine you're walking around all day wearing leather sandals right. in the dusty Middle East. Camel droppings everywhere. What are your feet like at the end of the day? Stinky, sweaty. So if you're a rich man and, and you come home and need to get your sandals off, you don't do that yourself. You've got servants to do that. Now, here's the thing. If you've got a bunch of servants, which servant, where does that servant rank in the totem pole who gets to mess with your stanky feet? It's probably the same guy that just washed up from mucking out the stalls. In other words, the bottom. <laughs> now, this is actually going to show up later on in, in John where, where, hey, do we have someone come and wash feet, and, which means he had to untie sandals. Does that come up later on in John? That, that does make a show, yes, an appearance okay. is there. And, and just in case folks who are listening don't know, who does that? It's the woman with the hair thing, right? No, well, there's that, but that wasn't the one I was thinking. Oh, Thomas. <laughs> So the night when Jesus betrayed in the upper room, what does he do? He, he washes. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what, they would have had their shoes on, too. So, I mean, he's messing around with the, the feet. So That's oh. that's the big obvious one that I missed. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Well, good good job, Thomas. You got the extra <laughs> credit, but you, but you missed the main question. So, but, so, I mean, when he says, I'm not even worthy to, to untie his sandal, it's... I, I'm not even worthy of being the lowest servant in his place. Mm, That's yeah. how far above me he is. And y'all ain't seen nothing yet. So. All right. Uh, last uh, verse in that particular section. 
These things took place in Bethany. Wait a minute, I just did that. Next section. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. All right, this is great. So it's just like, yeah, the very he, he just said this stuff at Bethany, and then the next day Jesus is coming towards them, and he yells out, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, you could almost use this as a theme verse for the entire Gospel of John. Okay. Because what are we seeing? We're seeing Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Word of God himself, taking away the sin of the world. So, Thomas, in the Old Testament, what did you use a lamb for? Uh, well, it had to be a, a spotless lamb for one thing, and it, it was a sacrifice, an atonement offering made on Passover, among other holidays, for sin. So, if you get called the Lamb of God, the thing that is implied with that is that you are going to be sacrificed for sin. Right. And And... and what sin are you taking away, according to John? The sin of the... The world. Again, this isn't just a, a small thing. This isn't just, well, I'll do something to take care of yesterday's mess up. No, this is the sin of the world. I mean, big, massive, huge thing. Right. I think a lot of times when we hear this this uh, take away the sin of the world... Mm-hmm. We forget just how massively shocking this would be. Um, Thomas, if you were a good, pious Jew, and and you heard someone talking about taking away the sin of the world, Mm -hmm. um, would you really expect that to mean the whole world? The whole world of Judea and the surrounding territories, probably. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, 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 what do you mean the sin of the whole world? You, you, you mean take away the sin of these Roman jerks who are hanging out with us? Or, or the Samaritans? Oh, we don't like them. Or, 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 or the, the, the Syro-Phoenicians, you know, the ones who are the descendants of the, the Philistines? Their sin, too? Uh-huh. Because it's not just the sin of the land. Because you could do the, the sins of the people of the land. Yeah, that our sins. Yay, us good people. Wait, wait, wait. You're including, you're including the Gentiles? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a strange... You're including Samaritans in this? He's going he's to take the sins of the Samaritans? I, Guys, get a load of this. <laughs> so, I mean, this is already a, a expanding beyond... What would have been expected? Here comes the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins, not of just the people, not just of us, but of the world. Mm-hmm. So do you see how already, I mean, this is this is mind-blowingly big. Oh, definitely. All right? All right. And, and just in case people can't put two and two together, John continues. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. All right. So John addresses the crowd. Here he is. I, I, I didn't know he was coming by today, but <laughs> got good time. And this is the reason why I was baptizing, because we're getting on with it. In right. fact, I, I knew that that he would show up at some point after I was baptized. And so this, this is the whole point. He has been revealed to Israel. Now, granted, he does take away the sins of the world. Right now, he's being revealed to Israel. Why? Because he's the Messiah for Israel. 
Uh, if we're going to talk about the revelation to the world, when does that really happen more? Uh, you hit Pentecost and following. Right. I mean, so so John's saying, look, we 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 get a leg up on this. We're we're the early subscribers who have early access <laughs> for like a week before it opens up on everything. So uh-huh. I mean, this is great. <laughs> terrible analogy, but it might actually kind of work. We get so, to beta test this thing. Well, and as it turns out the beta test really goes poorly for Israel. <laughs> not, we, we do not like this game. <laughs> Forget this. I'm going back to Warcraft. <laughs> I have no idea who plays Warcraft anymore. I mean, I will on occasion, but that doesn't say anything about it. Um, so anyway, look at this. Here's the one who comes before me. Look, there he is, the Lamb of God. He's going to be sacrificed, and that puts him above me. Mm-hmm. He's going to be sacrificed to take away the sin of the world. Ah, oh, this is great. This is this is why we're here, Israel. This is our point. Bam. All right. Let's see. I'm in 32, right? Yep. 32. Yeah. And John. 34. Okay. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Now, again, let's ratchet it up. All right. What did I see? I was John when I baptized him. I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him. Uh, from the other, from the Synoptic Gospels, we get the the "This is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased" type mm-hmm. of stuff. John keeps bearing witness about this. Keeps saying, "Look, this is the point. This is who Jesus is." And not only is he the Lamb of God, he is the Son of God. Right. So this fellow, this Jesus, he is God. <laughs> so. Think about how often this first chapter of John, we're getting the the emphasis put upon the fact that Jesus is God. I know one of the things that a a lot of liberal scholars will say today is that, well, you never have any idea that Jesus is God. I mean, that's just something that people much, much later brought up. John's making claims. The gospel writer of John is making claims that even John the Baptist, from the beginning, before things really kick up into motion— is already proclaiming that Jesus is God. True that. So, so it's one of the things where, well, if you want to completely throw out Scripture, well, you're you're, you're dumb, and I, bleh, you can, but you're throwing out everything in Scripture because of your crackpot, harebrained idea, and that's not good. So right, right. But so, and anything that you notice just about this whole scene with John the Baptist, well, anything that, stand out to you? That would expand a lot. I actually have one just more immediate, and that is. What's the deal with the remaining of the Holy Spirit? It seems like there's a a point put on that. The Holy Spirit descended. We get that from the synoptics. John points out that the Holy Spirit remained. Why? Well, it's not a touch-and-go thing. It's not that the Spirit (laughs) comes with a little bit of approval and then he's gone. No. Okay. This is going to take a little bit of time because this leads into a really neat, important thing. So... Ask me again after the break, after the Inquisition, okay. about the spirit remaining with Jesus. Sounds good. Right, I so love that. This will be fun. This will be fun. See you on the other side of the break, folks. All right.
Now begins the Inquisition. The Inquisition. What a show. The Inquisition. Here we go. We know you're wishing that we'd go away. But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay. And we are back, and we're to that part of the show that we lovingly call the Inquisition, where we will put each other to the test, or you can put us to the test. If you come to our Facebook page, leave a question. It might get answered on the show. It'll be awesome. Seriously, we love to take your questions. I like to answer about history and or anything. Thomas really is excellent apologetics. So, But uh, I think you're going to ask first today. We This is actually a question text in question so through that yes go, and i'm not it, giving Thomas. my number do, so that other people get texted but do, do your worst okay here it is so the question uh pertains to the apostle and nicene creeds in particular and the use of the term in those catholic now we you and i are lutheran not roman catholic but we do confess that we are part of one catholic church why why do we say that i mean sometimes you'll hear it in different language nowadays, but if you dig out the old red hymnal, it's Catholic. Why? What's going on? All right. In the creed, when we confess, I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, the, the actual word in the Greek was Catholic. And Catholic just means universal. It's Greek. It's kath is according and holos is whole. So according to the whole. And, and the idea of the church Catholic means we're part of the same church in all times and all places, so so we're part of the same church with folks around the world and folks throughout all of history. We're all together. Sometimes Lutherans have been falsely accused of changing it, changing it from Catholic to Christian, which isn't quite true. This is actually a German thing. If you look at some of the uh, the, the translations of of the creeds into German, like from 1400 or so. Mm-hmm. They used uh, Christ-like for it. They used Christian. So it was really a German thing that predated the Reformation. And you know what? We come from the German tradition, so they went with kind of the German heritage. Although I would not be surprised if in eh, 30, 50 years, eh, it'll be Catholic again. I kind of dig that, but that's just me. So, But no, it's a term that refers to the universality of the church in all All times times, and in all places. Okay. All right, that work. That works. Okay, Here, here's my question for you. Thomas likes to do a lot of apologetics, a lot of defending the faith. And I, I've heard you mention before a technique, and I want you to discuss and tell us what it is. That is the Columbo technique. Uh-huh. Oh, so that's my, my cue. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> One thing more. What is this Columbo technique you speak uh, of? Ah, yes. Right. Well... Now that that's been phrased as a question, my mind can pick up and start turning on that. Um, the Columbo technique, properly speaking, uh, is a technique named, and I, I can't remember the name of the guy who coined the Peter, phrase. Peter Falk. Well, yes, he, he okay. played Columbo in the, in the TV show. That's also kind of before my time. But, um, <laughs> but Columbo, yeah, was a detective on TV. Uh, what I'm trying to think of is the guy who coined the term for the technique. But be that as it may, it basically refers to this old detective's style of inquiring of people, of performing his own inquisition, if you will, on his suspects in a very innocent but pointed way. 
The Colombo technique is best used in apologetics when somebody is being maybe a little bit obstinate or maybe you just don't want them to know that you're feeling them out and, and going to be offering them some other solutions besides whatever conclusion they've come to apart from Christianity. And it begins by asking the question, what do you mean by that? Continuously, so on and so forth, ad nauseum until until you get to a next point. And, and at some point, maybe I can go through it in a little bit more depth, but the bottom line is um, you're wanting to bring out a la Columbo, go look up some old episodes and you'll kind of get the feel for how he does this, always asking the one more thing question. Um, what do you mean by that? Try to clarify the other person's position because until you know it, what they're talking about, uh, you can make some bad assumptions in terms of um, their approach and really start putting your foot in your mouth and going down some roads that they don't even intend to go down because you're not familiar with their particular style or belief. So just, just ask lots of good questions. Well, I mean, even think about it this way. If, if I'm just talking to someone who's a non-believer and they say, that's not right, well, what do you mean by right? Mm -hmm. what, what makes something right? I mean, uh, as a Christian, I'd be apt to define right as this is what is good and God-pleasing. Well, if you're denying that there is a God, what does it mean to be right? And you have to kind of flesh that out. Yeah, exactly. Out. Uh, otherwise, you're like talking past each other, and possibly stepping on landmines and all that. Yeah. If you want to know who Columbo is, if you've seen The Princess Bride, the old grandpa, that's Peter Falk. He there had a detective go. show, and he wore a, a kind of a frumpy raincoat, and it was just, it's a fun show. All right, okay. That work? That works. Okay. I'll come up with a better one for you next time. Or better yet, listeners, send in questions. If you want to know anything about how you talk to folks about Jesus, we'll ask it to Thomas. All right. Facebook.com forward slash gospeled boldly. Yeah, and if you hey, switch wow. the synonym, or the, not the synonyms, the, the uh, what? <laughs> if you switch the uh, syllables, no the idea. syllables, you switch the syllables like I oh. did, syllables, okay. in the, uh, the, the opening there, it will not work. It will not take you to the right place. It's gospel boldly there. I was trying to figure out what you were switching. Where like, is he going <laughs> or, or stalling? Uh, all right. Okay. Well, speaking of, let, let's get back on track. You had asked at the beginning of the last break about that idea of the Spirit remaining on Jesus. Right. One of the things that is a, a big theme that we don't necessarily talk about today is the idea of Word and Spirit. Okay. And this comes up partially because uh, if you look at the whole Armor of God section of Ephesians— It was read in church this past Sunday, hey. Very good. Which, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh-huh. And one of the things you had, a, a lot of the folks in the early church were very good on this. The Spirit of God and the Word of God go hand in hand. They act in concert. You don't expect the Spirit of God to be working apart from the Word of God, and you don't expect the Word of God to be working apart from the Spirit. Right. So so the idea of what you come across today with your your crazy hooper hollers, holiness type of folks where the spirit suddenly zaps them and tells them to go buy stock and whatever or what have you. <laughs> that, that would have been... Don't buy stock right now. It's bad timing. No, or maybe it is good timing. Maybe it's low. Anyway. Don't base what you buy your stock on on this podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. So at, at any rate, the the point is if you want to know where the Holy Spirit is at, if you go to the Word of God, and, and if if you and vice versa, I mean the the two go hand in hand. In fact, uh, 
one church father, I can't remember who, referred to, to the word and the spirit as the hands of God. Mm. That the way in which God interacts and does stuff in the world is through his word and spirit. So when John sees the spirit descend upon Jesus and remain, you have the word and spirit together. You have, this is how God operates. This is how okay. God does his good stuff to the world. So, so it's not just a, a little temporary manifestation where like you had like the prophets of old, the spirit comes upon them and they, they prophesy for a bit and then, then that's it. No, the spirit remains with this one, remains with Jesus because he is the word of God himself and he is the one who's going to be doing all the stuff. So the word and spirit are there. This is the one you need to be following. Cool. So does that work? It does. All right. Well, shall we, shall we sally forth then and carry on? Yes, indeed. All right, here we go. Uh, huh. mm. where, where even? Oh, I just finished 34. The next... So 30... The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. <laughs> Have you noticed that story like Jesus just kind of wandering around? Just, yeah, Jesus just walking along yeah. again. Because apparently Jesus was like hanging out somewhere near the Jordan and, and would occasionally go on his like morning walk or something and go by where John was and, hey, behold the Lamb of God. And this time, when he's done it a second time, two of John's disciples take note. They, they say, wow, the, oh, okay, John is pointing this guy out. You know what we should do? <laughs> we, we should go follow Jesus. Hey, dude, following John means following Jesus. That's weird <laughs> at, at this now, point. You know, if, if he's pointing us there over and over again, maybe we ought to go over to where he's pointing us. Mm -hmm. I, so, so if we they, call ourselves John's followers, we should follow Jesus. Right. So, I mean, there's this, this kind of quick little movement up. Cool. And, and so they go and they, they run it off. And then we get another conversation, a little brief one. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. All right. You're the new teacher. You're, you're the better teacher than John. Rabbi ends up being the, the common phrase or common title that Jesus gets. And it's not quite the, the, the fullness of, of whom Jesus is, but it's still a good title. We're, we're going to be the ones learning from you. If you, are, if you are a teacher, you had disciples, you had ones who were learning from you. And so they go to where he is. That's what you did. It, you, you followed the prof wherever he went. That was the idea. Uh, so, so no, it, it, if the if the teacher gets up and and goes over there, you get up and go over there and follow him because he'll probably teach you something there. So sounds good. All right. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, "We have found the Messiah, which means Christ." He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said. You are Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas, which means Peter. All right. So, so here we have now, uh, really the 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 spreading of the the disciples. You've got Andrew, 
Um, yeah, he kind of gets the credit for being, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy who first went out and started bringing other folks into this besides uh, John the Baptist. So Andrew was following John the Baptist, then he started following Jesus and told his brother, dude, we found him, come on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he says, oh, you're, you're Simon, son of John. Yeah, yeah, I, I know who you are. <laughs> you're Cephas, you're, you're, you're Peter, rock. You're... Often we translate it rock. It's much more polite than saying rocky. But all right, so we're in. So note how John assumes that you've heard of who Andrew is and that you know who Peter is. So, so again, this is one of the things where John is playing off of the fact that people would have heard of the synoptics before. They would know Oh yeah, Peter and, and 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 Andrew. These are these are big names, all right. And right, right away they're getting in. How? Because John points. John says, "My job is to point to the Messiah." Hey, you guys, going over that way. Boom. There you go. Sounds good. All right. Any other? Ooh, ooh. I don't know. Are we going to be able to finish the chapter before we're done? Nope, not a chance. But we can right. recap briefly if you have any closing thoughts. Yeah, yeah, let's do it that way. See, this is well-planned radio right here. All right, so what you've seen here is basically John shows up, and he is causing this giant flutter, Mm -hmm. and yet he minimizes himself. It's not about me. It's not about how great I am. Yes, I come baptizing with water, but it's not about me. It's about the one who's coming after me. And the beautiful thing we see is when the one who's coming after him shows up, he starts pointing his disciples to him. No, no, look, look. There he is again, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is, guys. Right. I'm pointing that way, and, and two of them go. And it, it's just sort of a, a, a beautiful thing. John is always pointing to Christ. And really, this is where John is a great example for us. Because what are we doing? We, we point others to Christ, who is the Lamb of God who takes away my sin, your sin, the sin of the world. That, Jesus is the most important one in the history of the world. That that's where we point. That we have life in him cuz th- that's who he is. He So yeah, that that's where we live. Awesome. Fair enough. You got any random thoughts about it or I shouldn't say random, that sounds bad. You got any thoughts about it? Well, I, I do find it interesting that uh out of all of the gospels, the, of course the synoptics, each of them take a different starting point into looking at you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark comes along and he says, I'm going to start with John. And Luke comes along and says, well, maybe I should say Matthew. You know, Matthew goes back so far. Luke goes back so far. They each have some level of infancy narrative. And then you get John. He comes along and says, no, 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 no. In the beginning. <laughs> right. And then, of course, as with all of the other gospels, we get John. John seems to be a very, very big part and maybe we don't give him enough credit today. Jesus certainly did when he said that he was, of, you know, of men born of women, the greatest. The gospels seem to put a very big emphasis. This is one of the few accounts that they all share along with the crucifixion and the resurrection is, is John's pointing to Christ. And do you know the other? Mm, the transfiguration, maybe? Um, the, oh, feeding the feeding of the, the 5,000. 5, yeah. yeah so, but no, John, John the Baptist is awesome. And it's kind of sad that we probably don't talk about him nearly as much as we could. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about him come Advent. <laughs> Sounds good. Right. It's too late now because we can't talk about him anymore. The show is over. And we'll see All you right. guys next time. <laughs> Later. Later.